What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in today. This is now a part of season two and probably future seasons where we're going to be doing bonus episodes to talk on a more specific kind of targeted topic. If you're interested in this topic, it'll be really valuable for you. Today, we're going to be talking about gain staging, which for some people that may seem basic. For some people, that's a big question mark. What does that even mean? Joe, to you, what do you think of when you think of gain staging? What does that look like? I think of making sure the volume from each stage, whether it's your edit window, to your plug-in, to the fader, to your auxes, to your master bus, is all kind of not clipping, basically. Working together, yeah. (laughs) They're all working together. They're all adding a little bit. And then you're reaching the master fader smoothly. Mm-hmm. without having a big jump in volume or or clipping the master fader, or maybe it's way too quiet. So finding that right. balance of everything, but not basically just making it a smooth transition. That It's a gradual transition to the master bus, not like it's really hot, I'm turning it down, I'm turning it up, I'm turning it down, I'm turning it up, and then I'm turning the master fader down. Right, yeah. That would be an example of poor gain staging. Yeah, it's so like it's, where you're not compensating drastically in one place to make it up somewhere else. Yeah, it starts off quiet and at a great level, and then it slowly, gradually makes its way to the master bus, and now it's full and loud. Mm -hmm. The full mix, that is. Not just one track. And so this topic kind of came from a question that you got from someone. Why don't you talk a little bit about what they were asking about? Yeah, so this was was an interesting question, and it kind of brought me back a little bit as well. Um, thinking back to when I first started recording. Mm-hmm. But the question basically was, hey, I've recorded all my tracks individually, um, and none of them were clipping. But when I play them all at the same time, my master bus is clipping. Mm-hmm. Why is that? What's happening? And uh, I'm not too technical as far <laughs> as like the terms of things go and how maybe you can elaborate on that as, as far as like the technical side of it. <laughs> maybe. But, I almost thought of it as like, well, if you play a stereo system at a volume level of eight, it's loud, but it's not overly loud. But if you had 50 stereo systems playing at the same time at the volume of eight, Mm. it would be really loud. (laughs) Right. And that's kind of like the same thing with your tracks. It's like if you have one track that's loud, let's say in that yellow range that you recorded it, not clipping, but not too quiet. Mm -hmm. And then you duplicated that track or had multiple tracks it would add up. There's a, there's a formula for that. I have no idea what it is. Well, I think there's, it's like every time you double the signal, it's a 3 dB gain. Yeah. But yeah, just think of that. If it was 3 dB and you had 10 tracks that were all the same volume, that's 30 dB than the initial track. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then the question that led past that was like, well, then I turn the master fader down or I turn all my tracks down and then the mix falls apart. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, gain staging. Yep. Now we can actively talk about gain staging. And this person actually has an idea of what's happening Mm. now. Mm -hmm. They have a cause and effect sort of thing. So, Yeah, gain staging, I think it's critical throughout the whole music making process because it starts as soon as you are going to hit record. I mean, even before then, it's like figuring out what an optimal level is both for the equipment you're using to record with and going into whatever you're going into, if it's in just a digital interface, like an analog to digital converter, or if it's maybe you're going into maybe some plugins before it's fully printed into your DAW, 
or if you're going into tape or, you know, whatever it is, it's like having a good idea of not overdoing it where your signal is like unusable if it's too hot. If, mm-hmm. if stuff down the line is going to have a hard time accepting a signal that hot or, you know, making sure you've got enough level to at least have a good working range. And Joe, you and I were talking before we started recording. One of the things about gain staging, at least once you're in a DAW, is, you know, if you've got a really, really hot track and that that level is so hot you need to pull the fader way down, now you're in a situation where you are maybe at minus 30 on your fader. And to make a small move of 1 dB or less, that's really, really difficult. Anybody that's tried to do that at minus 30 knows how hard that is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very hard. Plus, you're also like something inside you that feels like, why are all my faders at minus 30? This feels weird to mix like this. <laughs> right. But another problem that occurs when you do that is you're pulling the fader down. And this is getting a lot more technical, but pulling the fader down after your insert, post-insert for the most part, mm. Um, mm-hmm. which means your plug-in that you have on there or the plugins are still seeing that very, very hot level. Mm-hmm. Which sometimes is cool, but a lot of the time it just it kills the headroom. It just the space around the audio just collapses. I feel mm. in that sense. I think one of the things we talked about was being able to pull the volume down, not by the faders, but by the clips themselves. Yeah, to get a great mix in a way. And there's like I don't know. I can get into a technical thing here. It's there's two ways to kind of do that. You can do the clip gaining, and you you just eclipse. But what I like to do, and I haven't shared this with you, Adam, this is, I have a two-step process to mixing. I bring everything into my session. Mm-hmm. And without any plugins, I adjust the faders to get the mix to where I like, making sure the master bus isn't clipping and my faders may be at minus 30 at this point. Okay. But then I commit all those tracks. No plugins, nothing. I oh. commit all those tracks. So what that does is it takes the fader level and applies it to the clip. Right. So now all my faders are at zero and I have everything balanced. Mm. And then I start my mix. Then I put the plugins on and then the plugins see that quiet, very small looking waveform. Right. And then everything <laughs> starts to behave a lot easier. I'm not trying to tame anything. Mm. Now I can now I can work and shape and sculpt things. Yeah, you've got plenty of room to work with at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like I hit the master bus at like minus 12 or minus 10. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just do makeup gain there. And why I do that, at least as far as mixing goes, I feel like the software and the DAW, especially if you're mixing in the box, it behaves a lot easier. I don't feel like I'm up against a wall at any point with that. It gives me the ability to boost a track or do some automation without like fear of hitting the master bus too hot. Sure. And then I just bumped the gain up at the end. And uh, I kind of got this idea from a lot of other engineers um, that I look up to. And they kind of do that same approach. And I was like, if they're doing it and they're mixing Billboard hit records and Grammy <laughs> winning records, I mean, this is, there's, there's something to this. Yeah. And that got me thinking of experimenting. Whereas, like, if you were in the analog world, you'd be pushing the faders up on the console and redlining it, and it would break apart in a beautiful way. The DAW does not break apart in a beautiful way. <laughs> right. Yeah. So now, some plugins can do that. Like, some plugins are modeled to emulate gear, consoles, tape machines, tubes, transformers, whatever. 
where maybe the more you push into it, either with a, a gain in the plugin, like an input gain, people are designing a lot of these things so that it acts a little differently based on how much level is coming in. But something else to keep in mind with these kind of plugins, there are certain plugins, and I'm sure a lot of us that have spent much time with Waves know some of those, I feel like they're just the most common. So that's why I'm choosing them. But there's like an analog button or like a 50 hertz or a 60 hertz button. You know, I think of like the UAD uh, Studer. There's like a tape hiss or something. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these, for whatever reason, the default is that that's going to be on. And it adds maybe certain analog characteristics, but it also adds a noise. And if you're running a fairly quiet level into them with the noise floor not changing based on how much is coming in, you do start having to consider, you know, that signal to noise ratio is at that point as things start getting turned up, because then you are turning up both the signal and the noise both get louder as things progress down through the buses, through the master. And then in mastering, you know, everything kind of gets amplified even more. So it's a balance between getting enough signal so that the noise is well below it. If there is noise in anything, Mm -hmm. as far as like stuff that you're adding once it's recorded, that's just something to be aware of, which is different from the recording side. The idea of like signal to noise ratio getting a really hot signal so that the noise is much lower than that, that's kind of in the past, unless you're using really old equipment again. Yeah, everything nowadays is so, noise floor is so unnoticeable. Right. And even in, you know, the noise, if it's in your environment you're recording, that's all just subject to the gain that you're recording at. Like, it's going to change with the level of the main signal. So if if you've got a crazy noisy environment, unless you want that in the recording, you should consider recording somewhere else, but Mm -hmm. you don't have to get a really hot signal on the recording side just to avoid noise. No. And actually what you talked about in the beginning of the episode, kind of, I thought about this a little bit. It's all in context. If you are recording a single voice for a voiceover, you can get away with slightly hotter level. Mm -hmm. Or if you're recording acoustic guitar and voice. Because those are the only two instruments that are going to be played together. And we talked about that additive thing where you add multiple tracks of the same volume together. But now you're recording, let's say, a metal band. Mm -hmm. Or you have a bunch of electronic tracks together. And a bunch of synths you're recording. And they're all going to be layered. You need to think about that. And maybe, yeah, they don't need to be recorded as hot. Mm -hmm. I don't need to record the 30 mics on my drum kit (laughs) at minus three. I'm going to record them at minus 15 or so. Because it does multiple things. I mean, for one, you're not you're not going to lose fidelity by not recording as hot. I mean, you may, depending on the gear, that's kind of the thing with all of this, depending on what you're using, it may have different characteristics at different levels, but you, you need to be able to at least plan for what is to come down the line. But in general, you're not going to necessarily lose fidelity of a drum kit if you leave a little space and that just leaves you some room for some oopsies. You know, maybe it, one snare hit happens to be 6, 10 dB louder. You can capture that without clipping if you've got stuff that's not going to clip in a musical, nice way, you know, whenever that happens. If it's just really clean preamps, really transparent mics, you know, like Joe, you're saying recording at minus 15 or something. If you've got that 10 dB louder hit, 
you've got room for that to happen safely and nothing is gained, nothing is lost. It just, it sounds like it should. Yep, exactly. And if you're, then you're recording with analog gear, just make sure that the levels are correct so that it's hitting the, the compressor just the right way and you're not boosting too much after that. And also a lot of the gear we use today, the, the interfaces, don't actually like to see very hot levels. Um, I know there's a chart out there online somewhere or I've, or some sort of documentation where like, they kind of talk about the optimal level of recording with your interface. Mm. And certain interfaces have certain sweet spots where they, where they like to be, where they, where they sound the best. Where the signal to noise ratio is just right. I remember reading this somewhere or somebody sent it to me and it was like, it was very surprising. Like for the Apollo, for instance, it isn't. It does not sound good when you're hitting the yellow. Mm. <laughs> so it it sounds better at a lower lower volume going in. Or again, too, it's it, maybe it's just a taste thing. Maybe that yellow level or even occasional red. I don't know. Like it's your art. Yeah, if you like true. the way it sounds, then go for it. But you know, you got to be conscious of what you're doing and how that's affecting everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the gain staging aspect of it is is really important. There's so many times I get tracks or mix where they're all hot. I'll just go in and turn them all down, like I said. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I get mixes where I'm like, wow, somebody did gain staging. They recorded it. The drums. I mean, seriously, when when I look at my waveforms on the clips, zoomed at a normal level, the waveforms are very hard to make out. That's Mm. how low everything is. Like once you've done that committed fader level thing? Yeah. It's like I look at the drums and it's like, I got to zoom in to see the transients. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's how low everything is. Yeah. But then I get all the faders sitting at zero and that gives me a better way to mix and the plugins seem to act better that way. I know there's a certain DBFS or whatever the plugins like to see or certain plugins like to see. Waves like to see one thing and other plugins like to see another thing. But I, I find that keeping it at a safer level just allows more room to do more things you can punch up that input gain and slam the plug in or you can just let it breathe right i think that's the key of gain staging is when you get it somewhere in the middle you have room to go both ways where it's like if it's super super quiet you don't have to use the full range of input gain just to get it to where the compressor for example is going to do anything at all and then you can't do anything more to like go beyond that, see what the rest of it has to offer to you. Mm-hmm. And the opposite is true where it's like, if it's so hot that it's like pushing it down with a threshold, like as high as it can go, where if you pull the input down all the way, now you're just starting to be at a reasonable level. There's, you kind of paint yourself a new corner with how much room you have of making small adjustments because you're just dealing with extremes. So it's really mm-hmm. just finding that spot in the middle where you've got room to go both ways and make small moves if you want or big moves if you need. Yep. And it can be all be as simple as like, okay, I recorded it hot, but I wasn't clipping. Just every DAW basically has a way to turn the volume of the clip down. Mm-hmm. And just right. turn that clip down. Mm-hmm. Experiment. Turn it down, turn it up, see what it does. It might, you might like the way it behaves either way, but it gives you that option. And that's, yeah. that's kind of the great, that's a great place to start. Yeah, absolutely. Right at the clips. And yes. then you experiment with that, and then it just opens up lots of sonic possibilities. Absolutely. And, yeah, and don't be afraid. if you Like like for me, I, I go into my master bus quiet. 
That's why we have a volume knob on our monitor controller. Just turn it up. <laughs> oh, Just preach. turn it up. Listen to it loud. And then when it's uh, when you're getting closer to that mix, maybe add a limiter in there. And and that's what I do. But I don't use a limiter to limit the signal. I just use it to bring the volume back up to where it needs to be for a great mix. And I just find the DAW I work in behaves best that way when things are quiet up until the last stage. Hmm. There you go. That's just me. Right. Um, and I, it, I have no shame in that. And I have no shame in my limiters at plus eight. It's not <laughs> limiting at all. Yep. Um, it's just doing makeup gain. There should be no shaming for anything. It's like kind of what I was saying before, you know, if you like the sound you're getting, whatever it took to get there, that's what you ought to do. But I think like for the purposes of this episode, it's just being aware of like how to give yourself the most flexibility. If you may want to go one way or you may want to go another, I feel like it just makes it easier if things are gain staged in a neutral way. Yep. 100% agree. Cool. Anything else to add, Joe? I feel like that covers it for me. I think that covers it. I think we got a nice specifics there, and hopefully everyone listening can take something away from this, whether that be recording, mixing, mastering, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever the process is. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that wraps up this bonus episode on gain staging. And if you have any follow-up questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us and uh, hit us up with those. We would love to clarify stuff or just, you know, elaborate further. So we're always here for that. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you all next time. Catch you all next time. Bye. Bye.